Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. that children do much better if they grow up in stable two-parent households. So the best gift that you can give your children is to take care of your marriage. Now, on the other hand, there are studies that also show that marital satisfaction takes a hit during the child-raising years. And indeed, divorce statistics show several peaks, first at year two, then at year eight, and then finally at year 25 and after. And the last two are highly correlated with the presence of children. Now, many people, myself included, wanted children and thought that getting married was part of the way of how best to do that. But it begs the question, how can we be both good partners and good parents? Well, to help answer that question, I'm joined by family coach Asia Irgenladen, and she's going to talk to us about how we can do this. So, Asia, thanks so much for coming on the show and talking Hi, about you know what are these weird what are these weird dynamics that we've got going on in life. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I know that you actually specialize in working with families who have high sensitivity or behaviorally challenged children. But you also talk about, you know, chaotic homes and feelings of overwhelm, which actually might be a lot more common these days. What are some types of issues that you see that add stress to both parents and children? Mm, yeah, right now is definitely a time when everyone is feeling the stress of, of the world heavy on their shoulders, and it can really bleed into your household. So mm-hmm. um, one of the things that adds a lot of stress is misaligned expectations. Um, so households, <laughs> yeah, that's true in all relationships, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and a lot of households have rules that are implicit and explicit, so rules that are spoken and rules that are just kind of understood as the culture of the family. And often uh-huh. with those implicit rules, with the ones that aren't really spoken, is when people assume that somebody's going to do something or that someone's going to be somewhere um, because that's how it's generally done. And then there's like uh-huh. a misaligned expectation. So that's one <laughs> we all, Yeah. So we all know yeah. what happens when we assume, which is always a very dangerous thing Yeah, definitely. Another one that I'm seeing a lot is um, a lack of communication about meaningful things. Okay. Um, we get caught in the day-to-day especially with children of like, okay, we got to get them on the Zoom call. We got to get their homework done. We got to get this. And we lose the, the special interactions that are about feelings or dreams or silliness because we're really in our, our orderly mind. Um, and this can just cause a lot of distance, even though you're really close quarters, um, uh-huh. which is like really, which can feel really icky within your family if you feel like we're not connecting, but we're together all of the time. <laughs> yeah, which can make it really, really uncomfortable because it's, it's one of the things that I say about, you know, this particular time is that because everything has changed so drastically, all of our usual ways of dealing with stress 
um, are gone. It's like we can't go hang out with our friends. We can't go to the gym. We can't, mm-hmm. you know, send our kids to grandparents' house. You know, there's so many things that we can't do right now that, yeah. you know, for me, I'm looking at it as this is a fantastic time to do a reset, but it's also really hard to take a look at what do we want to have happen. Mm, yeah, definitely. And there's this, there's this, this thing that we can do right now of like stepping into being really close with our families in a really meaningful way if we're able to have really nice communication. And there's also something that I see happening a lot, which is a lack of consistency, um, uh-huh. which definitely creates chaos and things like that in the home because children are used to going to school where there's a lot of consistency. And now that is put on the parents. And yeah. so the parents have to be, have the same consistency as a teacher might, which is not generally how everybody <laughs> acts in the world. Right. And yes, if my daughter, who's a teacher, could attach to, yeah, it's all very different. Um, so this, this is really interesting because, you know, it, it, it I think we have all been on autopilot for a long time that we don't necessarily, you know, you, you go back to the intrinsic things that people just kind of assume are going to happen. And when they don't, it's, you know, it's like, how did they even get there in the first place? And, you know, we, we repeat the stuff that we learned, whether or not it was effective. Um, and so this idea of, stopping and paying attention to what's happening emotionally, I think might be a new idea for some people. Definitely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was the culture for a long time to, to you follow the rules, you do the things you need to do, and there's not like a lot of talk about how it makes you feel. That's mm-hmm. how, how it's been for many generations. And, and in this generation, it feels like people are kind of being like, oh, there's a little more flexibility in there in raising a whole human um, uh-huh. that isn't just following following the rules, but is able to identify their feelings and process their feelings and get their needs met in different ways and all of those different things. Right, which is that's, that's kind of a concept that's new for a lot of people, just generally for themselves. Of you, know, do I have permission to even pay attention to my own feelings and what I want, let alone all the other people that are running around in my household with their own feelings. And this is one of those times where there's all different kinds of feelings coming up and for parents, for children, for everybody. And it sounds like what you're suggesting is that we kind of just stop and make room for that. Definitely. I mean, the reality is, is that it will make room for itself either way. And it's how, how do you want to create the space for it? Do you want it to be in a tantrum meltdown or do you want to be sitting talking about it ahead of time? Um, I, it will take the space. And I love that because that's what I tell my clients as well, that, you know, we, we like the idea that we can shove these feelings down somewhere, but they're going to find a way out. Yeah, and and I'm sort of like you. It's like, do we want to be proactive about it, or do we want to be reactive about it? Because we're going to be dealing with them one way or the other. Exactly, and it's so, the other thing that that is true is that often we deal with like the, the behaviors that are being displayed as they're being displayed. So like they're throwing a chair across the room. I mean, that's an yeah. intense one. But right, you're so then they're getting in trouble for doing that. 
but the reality is is that you're dealing with these displayed behaviors as opposed to the root cause of what the problem is, which I'm sure you say to your patients and your clients of like, mm-hmm. it's not actually about the dishwasher. Right. <laughs> yeah, it really isn't. Um, yeah, and, and interestingly enough, one of, one of the, the issues that I, I didn't have, it, but my husband had with, with one of our kids and that one of my clients has with one of their kids is the state of their room. And it was like, that's mm. not a battle I'm willing to fight. But, you know, my husband yeah. was like, why does, what does that matter? And it wasn't about the clothes on the floor. It's what the clothes on the floor mean. So what, right. is, exactly. what is the one thing that you would really like all parents to know about creating a calm, more pleasant home? That it starts with us. Um, <laughs> no, it's the kids. <laughs> no, kids. <laughs> If we want to create a calm home, um, we have to be able to find that calm and peacefulness within ourselves in extremely hard moments. It's the age-old saying, monkey see, monkey do, stands the test of time. Um, uh-huh. And one of the biggest things that I work on with uh, my families is this self-reflection and self-witnessing and um, being able to notice when you are being, as the parent, are having big feelings or being triggered or your kid says that thing that like plunges into your heart um, and to be able to respond instead of react. Which is, again, something that serves us in all aspects of our life. And and it's one of the things because I think that kids bring it out more, what I'm looking for, more, more openly because one, especially little kids have sort of don't really have a whole lot of filter, whatever they're thinking they do, you know, they, you know, <laughs> they, they, they don't do a whole lot of, of abstract thought about should I do this or should I not do this? They're just kind of these little creatures that just do what they do. And it's kind of our job as parents to direct it positively. You know, it's like, okay, don't yeah. get your sister. Don't, don't pull the dog's tail. Um, <laughs> right. You know, but, but this idea that it starts with us, and when, when you talk about this, and I think I've probably mentioned this before on the show, but I remember you know, my, my daughter and I were having a moment, and she did something that I didn't like, and I yelled at her and sent her to her room. And she came back down later, and she apologized for making me mad. And I said, stop right there. I said, yes, I did not like what you did, but I said how I handled it was on me. You did not make me mad. I got mad. And I literally apologized to her because I said, I did not handle that well. That was in one of my more, you know, better moments. Yeah, that, that was probably extremely meaningful for her. Yeah. And, you know, and, and part of it is because I'm trained in this. You know, this is what I try to teach yeah. my clients. And so it's like, okay, am I doing it? You know, and, and, and again, as, as a parent, I've yelled at my kids. I've done unproductive things. Of course. Um, you know, per- perfection isn't the, isn't the goal. So what are some ways for, for parents to become more self-aware? Hmm. So, there's, there's, there's a $64 million yeah. question for you, Asia. <laughs> so, I mean, our children trigger us the most of anybody because it's literally like a part of your body that you're taking mm-hmm. out of your body and putting next to you and it's your heart. And so a thing that is really helpful is to be able to shift your mentality from 
a fear mindset into a more trusting mindset. Because often when we're having these big reactions, if you go all the way down to the root of it, it always comes back to fear, that there's some kind of right. fear that it, that is um, causing you to react the way you're reacting. And to be able to play out your stories all the way of what is the thing you're afraid of and then release them um, really gives you a lot more space and freedom. So what it really takes is that the initial thing that happens is that, you know, 80% of the time you're moving around the world unaware of what you're doing. And so you want to be able to, to bring that awareness up so that even if you do lose your temper and do something that isn't maybe mindful, that the first step is noticing it. Uh-huh. And with noticing it often comes like a bunch of guilt and a bunch of like, oh, my God, I shouldn't have done that. But, that's, but that doesn't matter. It's okay. It's the first step of it. And then you get to the point where you can like, stop the train, right? It's like the first the train, you see it leaving the station, but you can't stop it. And then eventually uh-huh. you get to the point where you can stop it some of the time. And that's really what it's about. It's just about watching yourself and being able to be kind to yourself in moments where you don't stop the train, but then getting to the point where you can and take a minute, take a breath and respond the way that would be the way you want to parent. Yeah, and I think that that can be, you know, such a challenge because, you know, you talk about fear, and I, and, and I think a lot of parents, and especially because there are so many different schools of thought out there, I mean, it's not to say that the old children should be seen and not heard school of thought was particularly helpful, but at least it was universal. <laughs> it was like, totally. okay, and now... And now we have all these choices, and I think there's, you know, it's like anything else, you know, a a confused mind doesn't know what to do. It's like, well, if I go this way, is that going to work? If I go that way? And there is this huge fear about are kids going to be okay? I mean, I know my mom and dad didn't particularly care. (laughs) I shouldn't say that, but it wasn't like, but now things are so different, and I think there is so many, it's like, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing it the right way? I think that it's really important to remember that, you know, even our parents who, you know, children should be seen and not heard and all of those things is that you are okay, right? You're a grown-up. There's joy in your life. There are, there are hard things. And when you're a grown-up, you are able to, like, work through the things that didn't work for you as a child. Um, but that there – you're not going to – if you are actively trying to parent well and you are trying to be aware, that's enough. Like, you're not going to do something so abhorrently wrong that is going to be irreversible generally as a parent. And uh-huh. the fear of, of really messing up your child, I mean, like, people didn't think, care about their kids' feelings and all that stuff for years. And those right. people are generally able to function and okay and have joy in their lives. So being like able that. to hold that and remember yeah. that it's okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the, Children, children are resilient in many ways, and, you know, that doesn't mean we shouldn't be learning to do better, but, you know, sometimes it's like they, you know, we survived our parents' mistakes, and, and our kids will survive ours. I'm just wondering what my children are going to start to say to their therapists in a few years. <laughs> right? Yeah, who knows? We're, and the reality is you have to accept that you're going to mess up your kids in some ways. That's just the reality right. of it. 
Right, because, yeah, I mean, and that's the thing, because what, and, and this is so, so important, that what we intend isn't necessarily what other people perceive, and that's true across the entire spectrum, but I think what, what I'm hearing you say is, that we'll get to more in just a little minute, is that being open to hearing it is critical. Yeah, definitely. Being open to hear, you know, I feel like often parents, have some kind of shame if they don't inherently know how to parent. And it's not, it's not super innate for everybody. And that's not a bad thing. It doesn't say anything about your character or anything, but there's, there's a shame around it that, that makes people just repeat and repeat and repeat whatever has been happening in their family line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and unfortunately now, you know, there's a, there's a lot more, you know, talk about social media and all this other stuff where, where people know more than they used to. So they're like, okay. Yeah. But I need to remind people that this is Happily Ever After is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm talking parenting with family coach Asia Ergenladen. And I know firsthand the challenges of trying to balance being an individual, being a spouse, and being a parent. And really, quite frankly, there's only 24 hours in a day, and the more people wanting part of those hours makes for difficult decisions. And if you're finding it a challenge to keep all the balls in the air, guess what? You are not alone. But it's possible to create better balance between your roles, and if you want to know how, I can help. So just give me a call or send me an email and schedule your free, no obligation, create your happily ever after strategy session. You can reach me by phone at area code 919-924-0463. That's 919-924-0463. Or you can send me an email at leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching. And is in Nancy, C is in charlie.com. And now I want to get back to Asia and talking about parenting. So, we talked a little bit about pe- about parents being able to take a step back and be able to become aware of their behavior. So what other specific things do you suggest parents do that, that can help shape um, the atmosphere of the family, that they can have more calm, more, more harmony in the family? Yeah, so there are a few things um, that, I have found to be really effective with parents. And one of them is um, being able to find freedom within a structure. So there doesn't need to be a strict schedule. A lot of parents hear that and they hear that they need to like have a strict schedule and stick to it. And that's not what I mean. What I mean is that there are, there's a general routine of how things go during the day and that Uh that your child knows what, what transitions look like and that everything they know is coming next. They know what they should be doing. And this way they are comfortable in their structure, um, but that they are, they can have freedom within it and push themselves and do things like that. I always use the example of, of being in a yoga class versus being at yoga here uh, at mm-hmm. home where you can't see teachers where you're, I'm more willing to try new things. I'm more willing to push myself if I know that I have some sort of structure around me that is, is holding me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that is, has been very helpful for parents to hear that it doesn't need to be like a strict schedule with time, um, just like a routine of how the day goes in general. Um, mm-hmm. 
Another one that is important, I talked about this a little bit earlier, is releasing stories whenever possible. So we often like tailspin into our stories. If he doesn't uh -huh. finish his homework, then he's going to fail math in third grade. And if he fails math in third grade, then he's never going to make it to college. And if he doesn't make it to college, then we do like this whole thing where we go into a panic. Um, so being able to watch yourself and go ahead, play out that whole story in your head if you need to. Go all the way to the end. Um, and then be compassionate for yourself, be compassionate for your child, and try to release those stories because they're almost never helpful. Um, uh -huh. Always root fear, and you can't know the future. They're, it's just thoughts taking up space in your mind that is making you react to your child in a way that is clouded. Oh, I, I have um, to laugh because, because that example like struck me. I mean, I, I tell people the best parenting I got advice I got was when my son was in the fourth grade and we were having homework battles. And one of his yeah. teachers said to me, she said, do you want him to fail now or in the 10th grade? And I looked at her like she had three heads. It's like, what are you talking about? I don't want him to fail at all. And she says, I know, but if it had to be now or in the 10th grade, when do you want him to fail? I went, well, those are my only two options. I said, then now. And she said, good, get out of his homework. And I went, oh, my God. Yep. <laughs> And, and, you know, and of yep. course, he didn't, I mean, he didn't fail then. He didn't fail in the 10th grade. He's now a productive member of society. You know, so it's like, like, wow, that was a smart woman. Because I was, you know, I was, in, I was in those stories in my head, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's easy to get caught there because you have a whole, you have a child and you have a whole expectation of what that means when actually they're their own person and they're going to tell you <laughs> tell you what that means. Oh. Oh, and I, and I swear that child was put on the face of the planet to teach me stuff because, you know, he, you know, when he was in middle school, he was like, you know, mom, grades don't count until high school. I just like, okay, can I strangle you now? <laughs> oh, he just strangling still in the parenting book. Is that allowed? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it was just like, oh, my gosh. You know, and, and, and it was, it was a reflection of all of my own fears. And luckily he was a strong enough individual that he didn't, at least as far as I know, he didn't take on my stuff. I hope he didn't. But, you know, but it's, 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 you know, we have these stories, and we're so concerned. And I, mean, I have clients who, you know, it's like they're talking about their three-year-old. And it's like, it's okay. They don't, you don't have to schedule them to within an inch of their lives when they're three years old. They will be oh, fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, the, you know, the whole thing of having, of like, letting your child be not productive and letting them mm -hmm. be okay sometimes that your child can just be and that they are valuable and, and worthy and all of those things just as they are not doing anything. Um, that's a really important thing to instill in them because in our culture right now, everything is about producing. If you're not able to produce, you're not a worthy member of society. And that mm -hmm. really digs into your worth. So, so one of the things I like to tell families to do is to, is to find family rituals that they can do together that are based in nothingness. Mm -hmm. So maybe some family rituals could be like a Taco Tuesday, but some are just mm -hmm. like the way that I hold daddy's hand when I stand with him or what we always do before Thanksgiving where we sit in a circle and we talk and we don't, where you just have time planned where you don't do anything together. And it yeah. allows for you to connect. I'm wondering how well does that go over because that kind of puts the parents, well, just people in general of, oh, now I have to acknowledge my own feelings and I have to be a real person 
to my kid, you know, in front of my kids and what will happen about that and all those fears that that creates because it's like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) I mean, the reality is is that your your children are watching us be real people all of the time. And, and us acknowledging that can be really scary and all of that, but it's true. So it's whether, you know, you as, as a parent, you have to be able to be with uncomfortable emotions. And that is one of the things that is hardest to do with, for, for parents is to, to mm-hmm. sit in discomfort, especially when their child is also in discomfort and, and just let that be part of their human experience. You can't, you know, protect your child from their feelings. Um, so creating space for everybody to feel their feelings and practice that might uh-huh. be very scary. Um, and then if it is, you can, you know, you can play a game with it. You can have some kind of structure within that where, like, each person talks one time or create a system that doesn't feel as uh, just open and scary maybe. Well, yeah, I mean, I like talking about, you know, the the idea of, and of people going around and, and talking, maybe maybe at the end of the day, uh, you know, you, as you're sitting down to dinner, you know, what, what's the best thing that happened today, or what or what was the hardest mm-hmm. thing that happened? Everybody shares, and because yeah, what you said before was so critical is that children are watching their parents. And this is their parents interacting with the children, their parents interacting with each other, their parents interacting with other people, you know. And, and we, I, I remember years ago having a client, it was, it was awful. She was brought to me when she was five, and it was just a disastrous situation. And her parents were teaching her how to lie because they kept telling, you know, that her parents were divorced, and they kept telling her, well, don't tell daddy about this and don't tell mommy about this. Oh, oh no. teaching this child how to lie. You know, and, yeah. and, you know, and, so, and so I know that when this child grew up and lied to them, they'd be ticked off about it. It's like, but yeah, but you taught her how to do this. This was, you know, mm-hmm. straight up with you. Um, Kids give you a real big mirror. Oh. And, and sometimes it's hard to look at. Yo, believe me. I mean, yeah, there, there are things that I've done that it's like, okay, guys, please. I mean, I taught my children how to swear. Because <laughs> my husband and I, they didn't learn that from me. I said, yes, I know they learned that from their, you know, <clears throat> from their potty mouth mom, which was really bad when we were headed down to grandma and grandpa's house. And I was like, okay, this is not going to be good. <laughs> but, um, and, I, and I would. I'd look at my husband and go, did, did or I look at my kids and go, did they not get any bad habits from their father? Are they all mine? You know? <laughs> yeah. Really. I'm sure, I'm sure you get a handful from every side. You know, but they, but they do, they, they are like little sponges. And, and yeah. I know that that's really hard and really scary, but I, but I, I like that you're phrasing it as an opportunity. Yeah. I mean, it, and it's, it's an opportunity for everybody. It's an opportunity mm-hmm. for everybody to learn from each other. And there's, there's one way that um, I know a family who does it, who does a rose and a thorn, where they go around the table and they say the rose of the day and the thorn of the day, the, the best thing and the worst thing. And, and structure like that can really help. And, and it doesn't need to go from not talking at all to, like, having hour-long deep discussions <laughs> about your feelings. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. Um, it's just moments of connection that aren't, about homework that are about 
really connecting with each other and, and talking about your feelings and talking about your experiences um, that is that brings you together instead of is about whatever we need to do that day, what is about production. Well, and I love this, and I would like you to talk a little bit more about this because I love the concept of moments. And this is one of the things where you, again, speaking about my son, um, <clears throat> when he went away to, to college, you know, I would see him pop up, you know, I'd be on Skype and I'd see, you know, he's online, so I would you know, like, hey, dude, how's it going? And sometimes I'd get no answer and sometimes I'd get monosyllables and sometimes I'd have a 20-minute com- conversation with him. And I never knew when I said that, you know, but it was just, well, here's a moment to connect. And the, the idea that you don't have to spend an hour, it can be in these little moments. And sometimes the car, if you're in the car with your kids, is a great place to have yeah. these moments especially if you've got sons because they don't want you looking at them. <laughs> yeah. But talk, talk more about how parents can create these moments or, or be more aware of the moments that are there that they don't have to be created, but they can take advantage of them. So, I mean, I think in the, t- in the car is a great time. In the car you can play word games, you can play looking out the window games, but also you can, you can go around during transitions. I've seen families do this where they – when during a transition, they will, um, like, reflect on the thing that they did before. So if mm-hmm. they just got home from school and they're unpacking, before they unpack, they'll say one word about their day. And that way, one word, good, bad, happy, sad, tired, however they're feeling in one word. And then it just kind of helps the family gauge that's where that person is at. Um, so that's one way to do it. You can also really implement five minutes, five minutes at dinner time. It doesn't take long mm-hmm. for somebody to, to say one sentence about their day. Um, mm-hmm. and, and another thing that I, I often talk to parents about, which this is a little bit more of a commitment, is to have writing every morning as a family. Mm-hmm. And if you have a little child, that means drawing for them. But right. have mm-hmm. five minutes, everybody sitting quietly and writing um, about what, whatever, or there's a, a certain prompt. And you can find a million prompts online if you don't have, can't think of them. Um, uh-huh. And then read to each other what they wrote that day. Or not, but right. it creates a moment of self-reflection and in the group of the family. Well, and I love the idea of sharing, like having one word so that people know, okay, I mean, I used to tell my kids this. When I, if I didn't sleep well, I'd say, okay, mom didn't get any sleep last night. Proceed with caution because my patient's level is like non-existent, you know. I, I mean, cause right. I think, cause I figured it was better to let them know up front, you know, or that if I wasn't feeling well or whatever because, because then they could, because then they could make some decisions or at least that they would have maybe not take it personally if I was right. sitting in the corner quiet, you know. Um, and I think yeah. that giving everybody that kind of permission is is helpful to say, you know, okay, Susie's not feeling well today, or Susie had a fight with her best friend at school. Let's just kind of give Susie some some space instead of being all over her for whatever reason. I might be all over Susie. And and one of the things that's really important to to help families do that is to take away the. Um, connotation of like being mad or being sad is bad right because that that creating that being a negative emotion um, will make kids likely to not say it 
Uh, uh-huh. But also that, like, it's okay to feel all of your feelings, and it's okay to be grumpy, and you don't need to, you know, often I see parents, if their child is grumpy, it's not okay. Right. And you can be grumpy, but your kid can't be grumpy, and and that is confusing for the child they're, because they're watching their mom be grumpy, and then they can't be grumpy, and now grumpy is bad, and now so I'm happy, but I'm not actually happy, but I'm pretending I'm happy. Um, uh-huh. So really making sure that your child knows that all their feelings are acceptable and okay and and valid, whatever they mm-hmm. are. Well, and I think that's an important lesson that all of us can learn because, you know, I, I talk about, I don't talk about good and bad feelings or positive and negative feelings. I talk about easy and more challenging feelings. Because, Beautiful. You know, yeah. because like you said, they're, they're all valid. So, Asia, this has been great, and I could talk to you about this forever, but unfortunately, I'm out of time. So can you share share with people where they can learn more about you, more about what you do? Because um, I know that this is, you know, parenting is so challenging, and even the best of us, you know, question whether we're doing a good job. And, you know, it's always nice to have support. Yeah. Um, so I work with families who have children who are highly sensitive, have behavioral challenges or special needs to grow and thrive. All of the things I do also could be with general families. Um, if you want to find me, um, my website is purposefulparentingnow.com. Um, my email address is asiail823 at gmail.com. I have an upcoming workshop that's free. Um, that's talking all about why temper tantrums are like poop. It's going to be great. It's on December 10th. If you go to my website, you'll be able to, to find it and sign up. Um, oh. And I love with families. It's my favorite thing to do and my passion. So feel free to reach out. I'm here to help. Okay. So what I want you guys to know, and, and I know that when I left the hospital with my son, it was like, where's the manual? But they don't come with instruction manuals. And they also don't come with any more hours in the day. And most of us parent by trial and error, and our kids turn out just fine. But wouldn't you like to have a little bit of inside information to make it easier? Because when you feel confident as a parent, it also allows you time and energy to be a great partner. So hopefully you found this show helpful, and I hope that you'll keep listening. And until next week, stay loving.